John, first of all, the Copa Libertadores, how, how much emphasis is there on that in South America? Is it as big in South America as the Champions League is in Europe? Well, I would say it's bigger because it started in 1960 and that's the, the premier continental trophy. You know, the European Cup started when, 1956, mm-hmm. 57, which was great and chugged along. But the Libertadores started in 60 and it is the massive tournament uh, in South America. What did it mean to Everton, Divina Del Mar to qualify for it? Ah, well, they've, they've only qualified for the, for the, the Libertadores uh, three times in their history. In 1976, uh, in 2008, and this time it meant everything. But they're realistic because they, they got in as the runners-up of the, the Chilean Cup, whereas their runners-up in the, in the Chilean Cup actually go into the Champions League equivalent, which is quite amazing. But they realised they weren't going to get that far. So they had to sort of try and, you know, make a good effort and I believe they did so you know they they got through well they got through a couple of rounds they beat the team from Venezuela first off didn't they yeah which which was expected um Monagas um yeah uh but then they didn't expect to get Estudiantes de la Plata in the in the next round which was the round that would if they beat them they'd be in the group stage but also having got to the game against Estudiantes if had they lost which they did uh, they could drop down into the into the Europa League equivalent, yeah. which is the Sudamericana. So yeah, Estudiantes de la Plata for our younger listeners <laughs> were the team that beat Manchester United in 1968, and it wasn't a pretty sight. Uh, they were known for their anti-football. Uh, they were they were they were monsters. Uh, the year before, Celtic had been beaten by another Argentinian team, Racing. Um, again. If you if you can go onto YouTube and look at the footage of those games, it, it'd be an eye-opener. I mean, the, the tackles were, like, really X-rated. So it was a tough draw, wasn't it, to draw Estudiantes? Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit unfair. But, you know, but the, the good thing was they, 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 they put in two really good performances, both in Argentina and in Chile. And so, you know, that, that does the, the confidence, the world are good. And I think that's what they were in the competitions for, not just to get their coefficient number up, which helps, but also to get confidence and to raise the profile. And I think you know they they, they performed well in the in the the two uh, ties they had in the in the Libertadores. So yeah, they, they went out two 0 on aggregate, and then dropped into the Sudamericana. What's the rivalry like between teams from different countries in in the in, in these competitions? Well, the, the big rivalry is Brazil-Argentina. They absolutely hate each other. And it, there's a lot of racism involved. It, it's quite nasty, yeah? yeah. Um, and then there's rivalry between Argentina and Chile, but the Argentinians are top dogs. So whenever the Chileans get a win, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, having said that, Everton were the first team to beat a team in Argentina uh, in the Libertadores back in 2008. They won in Lanús. That was the first time in uh, 68, 60, no, 48 years. Wow. So, the, but, but every country, you know, <clears throat> every neighbour is a real rivalry. You mentioned there that they dropped into the Sudamericana. And again, the draw could have been a wee bit kinder, couldn't it? Yeah, because, um, yeah, you, I mean, the, the horrible thing about this, this 
tournament is that only one team of a group of four was going to qualify um, for the last 16. So there are eight groups, so only eight. The eight winners are going to qualify anything. Well, where are the other eight coming from? Then you, you look at the rules and it's the other eight are the third place team from the Libertadores. Sao Paulo, so, Brazil. Sao Paulo of Brazil were always likely to win the group, weren't they? Yeah, so Sao Paulo are massive. I mean, um, this is the team of Francescoli in the 80s. They were they were a wonderful team. Um, and they're still a good team now. And you know, the, Sao Paulo, the stadium, the Morumbi, you know, like it's 80,000. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're a massive club. So, yeah, you'd expect them to, 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 to go through. But Everton were there with uh, two other um, smaller teams, Ayacucho from Peru and Jorge Wilsterman from um, Cochabamba in Bolivia. The name Jorge Wilsterman, George Wilsterman, uh, they took the name from a pilot uh, from the 1940s. He was the first aviator, the first commercial pilot in Bolivia. So they named the club after him. That's great, isn't it? Brilliant, brilliant. Now, we were speaking before we started to record this this podcast, John. You were at the unforgettable game against Crystal Palace at Goodison Park, but I bet you were the only one in there who's also been to a Sudamericana game this season as well. Uh, yeah, I think... I, I know, but I'm not sure, because I don't know whether you saw, Darren, in all the footage that came afterwards, there was a Chilean kid on the pitch. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll dig up the um the footage. He's dancing around with an Everton flag and his Everton chili shirt, and he was I think he just arrived in Liverpool to for either a holiday or studies. So I'll I'll dig him up. Um, but I, yeah, so possibly I can't have that as my claim to fame. There were two of us. <laughs> Which game did you see, John? Uh, in Chile, um, yeah. I saw the I saw the game against Ayacucho. And the game against Jorge Wilsterman in the Cup. Uh, and I saw league games against Huachipato and Palestino um, in the league, yeah. So I, I got to f- four matches. Oh, yeah, just four matches. The last match they managed to win. Uh, I got to five matches. The last match they won, because people would just call me a Jonah. Because every time I go to Chile, <laughs> it's, it's my ninth trip. And I think in the nine nine visits I've had over forty odd years, I've seen four wins in you know like in 30, 40 matches. <laughs> so they are people that start to talk. Um, What's the atmosphere you know, like at the games, John? It's it's really good, um, but it's it's not the same as at Goodison. See at Goodison, we sing when we want to sing, and if we don't want to sing, we won't sing. You know, we've been at Goodison match after match where the atmosphere has been pretty tame and then something happens, the referee unjustly sends someone off, you know, somebody gets sized and it's like somebody's littered touch paper and the whole stadium can explode and, you know, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? But there, they start singing before they, the match starts and they don't stop until the match ends. So you don't really know. All they're doing is expressing their support which is like a bit like the boy who cried wolf, you know, are, are they really? And it's a cultural thing. I, I, I've, I've learned to live with it. I don't particularly think it's, it's the best thing ever. Half of them are not watching the match as they're singing. You know, they've got their, their, their backs to the game and they're, they're waving <laughs> their hand in the air, as you see them do. Sometimes 
I've seen the Argentinians do it. They travel a thousand miles on buses across the country and then they get all of their banners out and they drape the whole terrace with a banner with their banners. They can't see the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> they just travel a thousand miles on a bus and they can't even see the game. But it doesn't matter because they're singing and so yeah, the, the atmosphere it's far more animated than than the average Goodison game. Although having said that, I don't think any of any of things they've experienced was could match the Crystal Palace match. Oh no, absolutely not. Nothing, nothing at all. What what about pre-match? Do they do they have a couple of beers before the game? The supporters over there. Do you know it's 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 not um, it's not the done thing, and partly because, and I only it only really rammed home to me this time. If you live in a nice area of 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 any Chilean city, there, there are bars and it's nice and you can relax. But if you live in a rougher area, you don't have bars. The, the, the councils, the, the the authorities, they don't issue licenses because basically it's an apartheid, an alcohol apartheid. So what they have is they have um, shops where they sell alcohol, but it's like the Wild West. You put your money through the gap and you get your bottle. So, so they're not really geared to public drinking. Although I haven't said that, the ground's in a really lovely part of the town. There's a lake. And over the years, a couple of bars have been popping up, so you can get a drink. Yeah, were, were the crowds for the Europe for the? I'm going to say European games for the for the intercontinental games. Were the crowds bigger than they are for the Chilean league games? Yeah, well, they were, especially in Sao Paulo. So I think the league games they they started off like eight thousand this season, and they've slipped to about five. The Sao Paulo game, I think they were getting up to twelve thousand, which is quite good. Mm. However, the Ayacucho game. Uh, it hadn't rained in in Vini del Mar for about uh, fourteen months. You know, literally not rained. It was it's a desert. And the afternoon of the South, of the Ayacucho game, it was torrential rain. You couldn't you couldn't imagine it. So the ground is so compact because <clears throat> it's you know um, the match was in doubt. Although they said it was never going to be in doubt because although all the TV trucks had arrived, yeah. But the, the yeah. pitch they used brooms and blowers and. Unfortunately, the the rain stopped just on kickoff, and and we moved ahead. But for that game, the crowd was like, it, nobody turned up because it was they didn't think it was going to go ahead. And also, there's a stadium with no roof, and it's I mean torrential rain. It was it was wild. Yeah. Everton, Davina Del Mar have been undone, as have Everton in the Premier League by some uh, dodgy refereeing, shall we say? Yeah, um, the the two games in particular, Hockey Wilsterman, which I managed to get to, um, I, I landed in the town an hour before the kickoff, rushed to the stadium, sat down, watched the game. They they battered Hockey Wilsterman, and they had three goals disallowed. So that that would have got us off to a flyer. And then against Sao Paulo, again the the game was quite quite even. Everton edged it, had better chances. And then they had a clear penalty. It was a nailed-on penalty. Mm. Had Everton got those two goals or those two matches, the the goals they deserved, they would have matched Sao Paulo on points. What's the league form been like, John? Um, it's been quite patchy, and and I'll tell you why, Darren. Uh, the squad is quite small, and as we've known in the past, you know we're, we're competing in the Europa League on a Thursday, and then in the in the league on the Sunday. You know, it, it, it takes it out of you. So they've they've of late they've started pulling in the kids 
from the 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 the, the inferior sides, yeah. And they've started doing really well. So the league's picked up a bit. They're lying eight. They're, they're, we're in the break now. There's a month break where they play a few cup matches, local cup matches against small teams. Um, but they're, they're eighth, seven qualifiers for next year's Sudamericana. Mm. So they're, they're, mm. uh, I mean, I, I managed to, to watch most of the games. And if I can't get the full game, I'll get the highlights. And I've been quite impressed. This is the best side I've seen for, for a number of years. They've got a young kid called uh, Lucas de Iorio, who's a bit like Calvin Lewin. He's, he's, he's tall, he's great in the air, he's fast, he's strong, and, you know, he's, he's, he's just starting out. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see how they get on. Did, the, uh, did our friends over in Chile pay much, much attention to the dramatic end of the Premier League season that we had over here? Well, do, do you know what, Darren? I came back from Chile and... and, I, and I went over there to do some filming uh, for my documentary, which I've bored you about for, for the last three years. And it was a hard month, you know, and I, and I, I, you know, I had a bad knee and it was, I was under instructions to film this and do that. So I wasn't feeling the love. <laughs> I was feeling quite sorry for myself. And I came back going, you know what? We feel more about them than they do about us. You know, it was all internal. These I'm having sort of rants at myself. You should have seen the, the 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 media the way they picked up on it and the fans. I got messages on the night of the Crystal Palace game. I didn't stop looking at my phone until about three in the morning. There were you know dozens and dozens of people from all over Chile, from all over Argentina, from all over Uruguay. Now these are all the places where we've been to 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 get to know the Everton clubs of those. And it was great. So they do love us, and it was it was. Uh, it was really, I really appreciated it. But the media over there as well, they all picked up on it. It was like it was big news. And uh, let's hope we don't give them such, you know, cause for big news <laughs> in the future. Yeah, fingers crossed. Another thing that we share the two Everton's across the Great Divide is a former Players Foundation. Just tell us a little bit about the Everton Divina Del Mar former Players Foundation, please, John. Right. Um, it's 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 a strange one because it 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 reflects culture in 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 England and Britain and Chile. <clears throat> we call ourselves supporters because we support the club, yeah, and we support the players, and that's what we do. Um, you know, we we don't expect the club to give to us. It's a bit different in Chile. The supporters expect support from the club. Uh, the law has come in now that says clubs can't do it anymore because it was getting a bit like Argentina where the, the, the supporters groups were, it was a tail wagging a dog. You know, they could dictate to the clubs, we want this, we want that, we want the other. So they've stopped all of that. So just divert, I, I digress a little. The former players here in the UK, we support them. We support the former players with events and meals, etc. Former players in Chile support themselves. So these guys, they're all based around the champions from 76. Now they were Chilean champions in 76. Um, so they're all in the 70s. And they've fought for years to get the organization off the ground. Uh, and it all came about when one of them died in the early 2000s and they didn't have enough money to bury him. So they said, well, no, never again. We're not having this. So they, they've got like a mausoleum, um, which... If you know burial customs in Spain and, and Latin countries, you place bodies in a niche 
uh, on top of each other. So what they did was they got this, they bought this, mm, this block in the cemetery and they had lots of niches and they painted it in the, the colors of the team shirt. And they, that's where they get buried now. So on, on, from that, they got uh, an HQ where they recovered all the treasures, all the cups and the, the paintings of, that were being destroyed because an old headquarters of the club had been knocked down. And then they became a focal point of the community and, and what they do is, and especially during the, the pandemic, they've been doing the food banks. If there's an earthquake, they go out and they sort people out. If, if there's um, a fire, which happens a lot, they're the first ones there. They're, they're, they're supermen. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of them. And, and yeah, the, the, I think that we, we really need to celebrate, you know, the efforts that they make, but they don't, they don't even, they don't even know they're making an effort. They just, just there, um, yeah. So that's the former players, a great, great group of men, um, selfless. And, uh, I, and as a member of the Ruler Terror Society, we've been working with them for a number of years now. And, and, and thanks to you, Darren, and the club, we've been able to help them as well. Um, with, with some kit, which should see them through the next year, uh, various raffles, etc. So it's good that they're getting recognition on this side. Of, mm. of the of the Atlantic and especially from from the club so thank, thanks a lot for that quite right too John it's fascinating to speak to you as always please keep us posted and uh, pass on our best wishes to our friends over in Chile oh, thanks a lot Darren thanks